0: Good morning everybody and welcome to episode 123 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here today. I'm your host Dave Hopkins and during this episode we get to hear a story from our guest about uh, some challenges and struggles with print design and a print project where he sort of cut his teeth in the print uh, design game. So before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to tell you about something I put together to help you out when you're creating designs for print. I put together a guide that covers the top things that even experienced print designers sometimes forget to double-check their file for before sending it into the printer. If you send your files in wrong, they'll be kicked back to you. You could lose your spot on press, you get killed, you know, you're delayed with timing. There could be additional costs to have prepress redo it or reproof it or fix it, whatever that may be. It can be costly, time or dollars. Head over to thequickiepodcast.com and pick up this free guide of the top things to check your file for before sending into the printer. Okay. Today's guest is Hank Washington. He is a designer and illustrator out of Birmingham, Alabama, under the name of Hank Designs. During this episode, Hank tells us about how it was his brother that first opened his eyes to creativity, as he was a very talented illustrator and loved drawing characters. There was then a website that Hank came across that really opened his eyes to design and what was possible. During this episode, like I mentioned, we also talk about print design a bit and uh, some of the struggles that Hank has faced with that. And a really exciting story gets shared by Hank about a project he was a part of right from the beginning. Basically, a founder of this company was able to work on logo, design, website, concepts, product design, packaging design, all of it. And it was for a, I won't tease it too much, but for a product that was targeted to men. Right at the end of the episode, we also get into talking about in this evolving world of tech and fast moving tech, how to stay relevant in the design game. Ladies and gentlemen, I love talking to Hank. He had some great things to share, and he's just an all around genuine dude. I love talking to him. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. My guest, Hank Washington. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hank, how are you, sir?
1: Doing good. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm super stoked to chat with you.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: I first got to ask, are you ready for a quickie? (laughs) Let's do it. Perfect. I always start with the tough question first. So briefly tell the listeners about yourself.
1: All right, what's up, everyone? I am Hank Washington, originally born in Cornelius, Washington. Uh, I am a designer, illustrator, and art art director living in Birmingham, Alabama. I was born and raised in Mississippi, Columbus, Mississippi, to be exact, I've been designing for roughly almost 10 years now professionally, so I've been paying my rent using design. Is that Um, that the
0: marker for professional?
1: Yeah, that's that's been my marker. I was like, okay, I can pay my rent doing design, so okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
0: I love the marker. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So you run in your own freelance studio, Hank Studios.
1: Yeah, so it's Hank Design. So uh, I right now I'm working with an agency. Um this actually is an agency I help uh, start up um since I've been in school and um been working here, but you know, I do the nine to five and then the five to nine hustle. And then from there, um, uh, you know, I ended up starting my own studio, Hank Design Studio, where uh basically just took some of the same skills I learned, you know from school and then a little bit of the business aspects from work just applied it, you know, applied it to, you know, something that I really wanted to try and, uh, been doing it ever since, man. So it's, it's, it's been fun. It's been a journey.
0: Very cool. So full on, like from graduating to now, how long have you been doing design for?
1: So roughly say from graduating. So since school, it's been around four years.
0: Perfect. So I want to dive back a little bit further than that And I want to ask you about your childhood, Hank um, okay. What was your childhood like? Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that kind of pointed you in this career path?
1: Um, No, not really So uh, I grew up, you know, like a regular kid I had a mom, dad, and uh, an older brother that, you know, I, I despise at times But I still love him
0: <laughs> I know um, that feeling <laughs>
1: But uh, like I said, we grew up in Mississippi, and and the town that I was living in, uh, Columbus, it wasn't necessarily like a home that housed a lot of creatives. You know, it was mm-hmm. more of a, a retirement city. That, you know, people would come back there after they, you know, worked their jobs or worked did their careers for so long and just kind of settled down. So it really, really wasn't a lot of uh, creative hubs there. It was mainly centered around sports or if you were like part of a church or a group. Um, Or if you just was in school, you know, that that's kind of was what was all there to do Mm -hmm. Um, So I really wasn't really familiar to what exactly quote-unquote what creativity was or what it even looked like as a, you know, a a lifestyle Um, Like I said, but I hung around my brother a lot when I was younger. He was really one of my big idols Uh, I I used to try to mimic him in in every way because he he was the artist of the family because he always illustrated like these really really uh, dope um, um caricatures of his friends that uh used to blow my mind i don't know if you're familiar with the boondocks but he used to love the boondocks cartoons So he always okay. used to mimic his friends like in that style and i remember i used to steal some of his sketches and take them to school and like i did them <laughs> they're like, they're like hey can you remake this i'm like uh no, yeah not right now man the right. bell's gonna go
0: bell's gonna go good <laughs> there you
1: go i gotta get the recess yeah. um but no, I mean, But he was, he was like the first eye opener to me when it comes to, like, just creativity in general, and especially when it comes to the visual side of that. Um, but watching him and kind of getting familiar with it, uh, I try to draw a little bit on my own. And and I think it wasn't necessarily until, like, that weird space of, you know, when you're in high school and you're deciding whether you want to go to college or, you know, figure out what's really next in life, mm-hmm. where I really started to pick up and say, okay, I think design, it may be the one—the the way I want to go. Um because, again, I, I even at that time, I wasn't even familiar, like, what design was. I just knew it was something that um, that really was, I guess you could say, like, kind of the money maker of being an artist, which was a facade back then, you know.
0: Definitely. So it was your brother that really opened your eyes first to, you know, creativity. And uh-huh. then during that awkward gap between sort of high school and, I guess, the question that they always ask <laughs> is, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Right. (laughs) Um, Is that where you really started? You know, connecting with you know, I really liked his drawing, so maybe I should pursue that. Or how did you get into that?
1: Yeah. So it it was kind of a funny story. So um, I was had a conversation with my dad, and my dad used you know he uh, he's kind of an older guy, and and he wasn't necessarily used to seeing um, you know artists artists making a living because he was so used to seeing like starving artists, or Mm -hmm. he, he didn't necessarily know what design was or how you can make money from it. So, um, but even, you know, before that, uh, one of my brother's best friends, uh, he was actually one of the first designers I ever knew to come out of Mississippi. And, and he used to stay down the road from us. And he used to have this blog that um, that used to house a lot of new music. So this is kind of back when like Mac Miller was just, you know, getting big and like Wes Cliff, you know, just artists like that. And he made this, this uh, website, this blog site, where he used to feature like new music from them. And then he was a painter himself, so he'll have you know paintings of the stuff that he was doing. And it was so cool; it used to blow my mind. And this is when like the MySpace days. So when you get out of school, you go on MySpace, see what's going on. And then I used to always click over to his blog mm-hmm. um, just kind of see if he updated, updated anything uh, there. But again, at the time, I didn't know, you know, what that was. I just knew that this was something cool, and I wanted to do something like it. And I remember showing it to my brother. I said, "Hey, what? Like, what is this called? Like, I want, I want to do this." And He said, "Yeah, that's that's graphic design, like, in a, you know, in a broad state. He said, "That's graphic design." I said, "Okay, cool. I'm gonna go do that." Um, then I brought the idea to my dad. He wasn't, he wasn't necessarily on board with it at first, but. Luckily enough, I was hard-headed enough to go and do it anyway, <laughs> anyway <laughs> and luckily, it, wor- it worked out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> luckily, it worked out. I love it. <laughs> okay, it. so there's that stuff that just kind of pointed you in that direction, um, then it was mm-hmm. art school that you went through and, and then graduated and d- started the studio thing, right?
1: Yep. Went to Mississippi State, studied there, and then uh, I started working at the agency, and then from there, I started <laughs> the studio, yep.
0: Got it. Right on. Got it. Got the history. Um, so I wanna know then, Hank, what when did you first start noticing design out in the world? Was it the website that really connected with you or was it your brother's illustrations? Or like what was it that where you first started noticing it out in the world?
1: Um I guess my first my first uh, uh uh I guess you could say really noticing what it was was the was the website, but really into the world, once I kinda Started, you know, researching kind of what graphic design was, and you know, when you're in school, you used to take the early stages of, you know, things like typography and you start learning composition and color things, But um, but really just being out in the world, like when I when I used to go back home, you know, on the school breaks, I used to pay attention to the signs and, um, you know, it, time, like my, my hometown, they were very, they're still very print heavy on a lot of things. So there's a lot of brochures, things yeah. around, you know, the city. So I just started looking at those, start paying attention, like, okay, how is the type laid out in this? You know, what what may have influenced the color decisions and things like that? And um, really get into that. So I really say like just being out in the world, like, and uh, being more familiar with kind of design in the wild was kind of my first introduction right after I started design school.
0: God, so you started really noticing yeah. it everywhere, and almost everywhere. started dissecting it, right?
1: Yeah, it started to get a little bit overwhelming. I was like, "Oh wow, this is <laughs> this is like, <laughs> everything." But again, that's just coming from like being unfamiliar on like how many people actually can work on a project. He's like, "I'm thinking like, man, one person literally put all this together. Like, what?" <laughs> like, no, that's completely false.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a team of people. There's a team. Um, Hank, what stands out as the most influential design of your life so far?
1: And so is this far as like my, my personal designs or just like in general, just like,
0: it could be either, you know, it could be a, a project that you've been a part of or something that you've, um, something that you've seen and it just has stuck with you.
1: Man, I'll say the most. His influential has probably been like this recent wave of you know sports designs. Um, I don't know if you, if you follow on Twitter, there's an amazing a uh, Twitter page called Trenches, and um, what they do there is it's a it's a, it's a page they they share a lot of like sports graphics. So like you know football teams, um, basketball teams, they they have their you know the in-house design teams creating these amazing graphics that. Um, really pulls their fans more into the program and more into the players themselves. And I think that's been the most recent, I guess, impactful thing. Because I'm, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, I really love the fact that players are being highlighted in such a different way that's, you know, non-traditional. Um, and with this being just a fresh way to bring players closer to their fans in a way that you know allows designers and design and sports to really have that uh connection i think i think it's groundbreaking honestly and i'm, I'm really excited to see kind of where sport design goes you know in the next few years and how we can like you know really connect bridge that gap between design and you know, athletes
0: that's awesome and what was that twitter account called
1: it's called Trenches. So it's T-R-E-N-C-H-E-S. Wow, I'm glad I'm good at spelling. <laughs> but uh it's 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 trenches on Twitter. Check them out, give them a follow. Um, it's an amazing account. There's plenty of other accounts like them, but they're one of my favorites. But they do a really good job of highlighting sports designs across, you know, many platforms and they highlight different sports designers um in a good way. And I think it's a it's a niche that's that's gonna be here for a while.
0: Very cool. No, I haven't heard of them, so I have to check that out now.
1: Yeah, they're amazing.
0: Um, so you've mentioned one with trenches, but Hank, I want to ask, what are some of the other designers or brands that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like?
1: Man, so one designer I really love following is uh, Ade Hogue. Um, He's an amazing designer and uh, lettering artist based out of Chicago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so his name is Ade, A-D-E. And his last name is H O G U E. I think that's his name. I think that's his name. So he's probably gonna kill me if you ever hear this podcast. But, <laughs> uh, um, but no, he's he's one of my one of my favorite designers to follow. Um, he does these amazing lettering projects, and he does a really uh, good job of using uh, physical elements like you know flowers and plants and just random objects to create these uh, beautiful type. Um, type layouts and I've been following him for a while but he was really one of the early influences of like me finding the style and really finding a voice of how I really want to communicate um, the type of work that I you know I really enjoy doing because um, you know I've been working in an agency so like you always got to kind of abide by you know a client's boundaries mm-hmm. um, and every now and then you have a little bit of freedom but you know when I came across his page and kind of the work that he was doing I've been following him for you know a really long time and uh, Every every time he posted something or he shares some of his work, I mean, it's always like influenced me to like go in. Okay, how can I make something like that mine, or you know, or how can I do it in a similar way to make it feel more like Hank influenced by a day, you know?
0: Totally. Um, how do you make, how do you sort of put your your spin and your taste on it?
1: Exactly, exactly, for sure. So Got shout it. out a day.
0: Awesome, <laughs> that's okay. a good one. I'm gonna check him out. And that's on Instagram. Yeah, he's on Instagram right on. Mm-hmm. Um, Hank, I want to now ask you about print and packaging. I want to hear a story or something about how you've utilized print and packaging in your design career. Oh man.
1: So let's do it. So, uh, so a disclaimer, I sucked at print in school. (laughs) (laughs) I I was not good at print at all. Like that was, uh, I think it's one of my weakest, weakest, uh, um, skills that I didn't have, but, um, Fortunate enough, I was able to work on a few projects that required, you know, some print. Um, one of the first ones I got to work on was for Mississippi State football. Um, so they, the agency I worked with, they ended up hiring us to uh, create the recruiting, uh, is a recruiting poster that folded into like this little booklet, mm-hmm. and uh, it was before this was around the Dak Prescott era. So Dak Prescott was a really big quarterback here at Mississippi State at the time, and and I was super honored to be able to work on that project because it was like it was going in the hands of like future you know players that are going to come to the school and like in probably future Hall of Famers. So um we was asked to do that. So I worked on that, and that was a super challenging project. I was I felt sometimes even now I still felt like I wasn't qualified to even work on that project, but um <laughs> it, it was amazing. I, I enjoyed enjoyed the whole process doing it. it, ended up becoming something. Um, that I'm super proud of, and uh, you know, I I, I hope it did what it was supposed to do. (laughs) We'll we'll see in the next few seasons.
0: (laughs) Perfect. So that was was that sort of the print project that you kind of cut your teeth on.
1: Yeah, it really puts the limits on you know my capabilities and what I had to you know apply as far as skill set wise. And sometimes it was a little bit of learning on the job, but you know it was fun. I I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: Very cool. That's a great, great story. It sort of you know, <laughs> taught you and sort of challenged you, I guess, would be the best way to put it.
1: For sure. For sure.
0: Awesome. Well, Hank, speaking of challenges, the next couple of questions that I have for you are really around the parts of your career where you've made some mistakes, you've had some struggles, hey. you learned some lessons, and <laughs> I really want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners.
1: Oh, man, let's do it
0: all right <laughs> i love the excitement to dive into the the nasty nitty gritty stuff um sure. so, so hank what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far why was it challenging and how did you get through it
1: wow it's the most challenging so far so i won't say any specific names or any um just because of our, our respect definitely but, uh, definitely not yeah. uh, Mid, I, say, I say midway once I kind of got out of school and started really understanding you know a little bit more of the business aspect I was still you know quite uh, a rookie i guess you can say in the game of mm-hmm. you know really hashing out the details and uh of you know projects and everything but I had this one client that I was working on and it was for a it was an identity project i was working on um but being as naive as I was and, and I was so excited about the project that I, I, I completely skipped over the whole, you know, legal aspect and like the whole money thing. Um, or just even just clearing, like, you know, defining the scope of work of the whole project. So, you know, I got it, got it, you know, the good to go, got, you know, deposits and everything started on the project, dove into it. I mean, just, I mean, I put my all into this project, just going into like, making sure everything aligned and things like that. So. Halfway through the project, uh, you know, we were solidifying on the look and everything. I had a few directions we could go in that was, you know, all agreed upon, and the project was completely flipped upside down. Where it was almost like I had to start over, but a dead, the deadline was like I think I want to say like a week and a half away or so. Mm. Um, so we're like in the stage of like things supposed to be wrapping up. I'm supposed to be collecting files and sending them off. Um, but. For some reason, it ended up being like a complete turnaround. I guess it was more of an influence on the team, or it was just something that ended up, uh, you know, being you know slept on. And he was like, okay, maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, but that was one project that really pushed me, pushed me <laughs> from character, um, but really taught me like how to really hash out as much details and get and manage expectations in the beginning. Um, but, you know, it wasn't as bad as, it, I guess, if I was to went into to kind of cold turkey without any experience from that. Because, uh, like I said, I work in the agency, so, like, it's it's things are fast. You know, things are going to come up. You got deadlines that sometimes are the same day or even the next day. So totally. that necessarily wasn't a problem. But, it, you know, it always becomes an issue if, you know, if you're working with a client, but you don't hash out expectations or, you know, timelines and, you know, kind of what is really uh, expected from both ends in the beginning um, it becomes a headache if you know if things flip and you can't, you have no way to kind of back yourself up or protect yourself.
0: So that was a tough time in your career because you basically learned a whole lot of lessons on one project,
1: right? And it wasn't even about the design itself; it was just more of just like how to handle yourself as you know a business or just like handling business in general.
0: Definitely not. Was that with like with during your freelance time? That was a freelance project. Yes, that was a freelance project. Got it. Yeah. So you're definitely still learning, you know, the, the proper terms and conditions pages and your for sure you know, all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. For sure. Whew, good one to learn the lessons on, right?
1: Yeah. So any young designers that's listening is, like, please, like when you're working on a big project, hash out as much details as you can. It's OK to be annoying if your client can respect that. It may not be the project for you, but get all the details that you can in the beginning.
0: definitely better than you know trying to figure it out midstream and then developing the panic and the deadlines not changing and yeah you get stuck in a tough spot (laughs) so i want to ask Hank, is there another specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result um what was that like how did that feel
1: yeah so there there, there's been a couple projects like that um and, and, you know, there was sometimes, like, you know, you. it was really, like, an eye-opener to where, like, your, you know, what, like, a perception of a brand is. It's not ultimately up to you or, like, your client. It's always based on the audience and the people that, you you know, you're working towards or you're working for. Um, yeah, but I, ha- I had a project. I was working on a uh, an app for a friend. uh was doing the branding, kind of the UI for it. But, unfortunately, you know, the... The outcome of it didn't necessarily get the response that we were both, you know, anticipating for it. Uh, but it was just coming from a point of, you know, you know, you put a lot into something, and ultimately the market dictates and kind of like, okay, is this something that people are going to, you know, gravitate towards and ultimately use? And um, you know, it didn't and it didn't work out that way. And it, it was a big eye opener to kind of understand, you know, again, even just outside of design, just understanding kind of what. What is the need and you know really trying to make something that can make people's lives a little bit easier or you know or make it make their lives a little bit more i guess you can say fun than it, you know than it already is so uh yeah so that i that was a project that kind of kind of optimize to that aspect where like you know the market really being the dictator, but you got to be able to design uh, for your users and not just for yourself
0: so that is like a massive lesson and you can make anything pretty you can make it look nice yeah for sure but if it's not needed if nobody needs it it's um, tough. It's, it's kind of a dead spot
1: it is it is and it, it, but it's humbling though you know it's, it's challenging and, and it, it becomes a little you know it's a good shot at your ego but in a good way i think it's, it breaks your ego down to where okay it's, i can't you know design only for other designers or you know i can't design just to make this you know a portfolio where I got to make sure this needs to be good for my users and people need to be able to find, you know, find value in this.
0: So mm-hmm. oh, Find exactly. value. People need to find, be able to find value in it. That's huge. Exactly.
1: Exactly. For sure.
0: All right, Hank, I'm going to turn this bus around for you. All right. <laughs> I want you to tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you're the most proud of. One that just makes your heart sing. Most proud of.
1: Yep. So, um, So a few years ago, um, probably roughly two years ago, uh, me and a buddy of mine, we we had a kind of conversation. We were just kind of talking and we've done a lot of business together in the past. So, you know, we worked on projects that obviously didn't work and, you know, um, we learned a lot together. But we really wanted to make a project that was specifically for men and specifically uh, black men. So as we were scratching, kind of like our nappy beards at the time, I had little peach fuzz. The <laughs> young guy, he said, "Yo, let's let's make a a beer product. You know, let's let's make something that we can sell to men. That's for men. Buy men. Um, and and let's do it from the ground up. Like everything, developing the name, the packaging, the logo, the whole nine yards. Um, so we ended up coming up with this beard company and called True Beard. Uh, and it's still up and running. We have we have. Uh, some really good guys that's running it right now but uh this was one of those projects that was purely passion and uh and this one of the projects that we got zero dollars from mm-hmm. <laughs> literally no money up front it was all off the you know the hustle invested time um
0: but it was one of those
1: projects i was super happy with that uh i ended up seeing uh a lot of, you know, a good response from it. So I was able to come up, help come up with the name, ultimately come up with the, the logo, the branding, the packaging for it. And to be able to see that from the ground up and come to life and to be able to actually hold the product and use the product and ultimately see other people, you know, be, um, have a good response to the product. Um, it was, it was super, it was super uh, fulfilling, I guess you can say. I, I really felt, feel seeing that come to life and um again it was just one of those projects that you know i didn't it wasn't necessarily about the money or about like the cash value of it was more okay if it was good to know that okay if there's an idea that you know two or three of us can agree upon or even just one person can agree upon you we have the ability to bring this to life and that was kind of proof of that
0: you know so this is a project that you and your friend founded and really Mm -hmm. just created from the ground up from name to everything and is now Mm -hmm. available as an e-commerce product
1: yes it's still available um i believe the website is still up it's truebeard.co um it's a group of guys that are still running it and they're an amazing team they're still doing great things um but they're still coming we're still i'm having just a little bit of building uh now and then not as much as i was before but uh but again, it's still one of those projects that, yeah, I'm just I'm super proud of it. Of where it's at least seeing like where it started and then kind of where it is now. And I, I love to show it up anytime, anytime that I get a chance.
0: That's great. So, the one that you founded, and basically, it was a no pay job, it was just something that you enjoyed creating. For sure, you just got found yeah. joy in. You know, it's so common that I hear that you know, the project that. That a designer is the most proud of wasn't the greatest paying job wasn't sure. you know, the job that got them the biggest notoriety it sure. was really the one that fulfilled them were they just felt fulfilled pay or no pay. exactly
1: exactly that is exactly. really interesting awesome and then and like air japlin his best like you know i don't know if you're familiar with his talks like he always talks about the uh was the Cobra Dogs. Like that story, I feel like that project for me was just really tied together with that story, just like helping a friend, but doing something that didn't necessarily mean like a cash value or cash return, but just seeing a product that is useful from the ground up, come to life, is amazing. It's unmatched.
0: Very cool. Well said, Hank. Sure. Um, yeah, I actually interviewed uh, Aaron Draplin for episode 100. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a two-parter.
1: He's a character. I haven't met him in person yet, but I'm, I'm actually kind of scared too. I, I know, I know his personality is so bright. I was like, I don't know if he's going to blind me or not.
0: No, he's a super gracious dude. <laughs> um, Hank, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without?
1: Adobe. Hands down. <laughs> the whole Adobe team, the whole Adobe community. Um, If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be a designer today. Um, As far as hardware, it would be my iPad. I do love um, my iPad, and it's been uh, it played a big part in my career, like in the latter part of my career, closer to now. um, Just being able to illustrate whenever and share uh, with ease. And um, as we get into like apps, Uh, I really, you know, I was a huge fan of you know, the Creative Cloud with the Photoshop and Illustrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most recently, I've been really into Procreate. It's yeah. kind of been the, the go-to app for a lot of my illustrations lately. And I'm, I'm currently experimenting with uh, Fresco. I'm curious to see what Adobe does with Fresco and see how see how see what I, what I can come up with there for sure.
0: Got it. So you're an iPad Pro guy.
1: I love it, man. It's amazing. Right. <laughs> I,
0: I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time, man um so hank you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question um do it i have a question for you from my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of the next guest but i'm not going to tell you who they are Uh, you can ask them (laughs) (laughs) my last guest was ben crick he's the creative director at collins in the san francisco office Nice. And he wanted to ask, what is the biggest design challenge that designers face in the next 50 years? Wow. Biggest design challenge
1: that designers will face in the next 50 years. Yep. Hmm. Wow, man, that's a great question. Golly. Uh, Okay, I think the biggest challenge that we're going to face is. It's probably, it's gonna come down to how we adapt to how we create, I think. Cause technology is gonna be advancing, like it's already almost scary the way that it's advancing now, like how easy it is to make designs. But I personally look at it as leverage because it ultimately gives us the power to make decisions a lot easier. And I think the 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 challenge that we're gonna face is how we make those decisions. Um, when it comes to an actual execution thing and how we adapt to that. And I think with how, just how evolution, just how it works, is how people adapt to certain things and the way we communicate, I think just the way we adapt to how we execute is going to be the biggest challenge um, designers you know, are going to face. And I honestly, I could be wrong, but that's just like an immediate guess.
0: No, it's so interesting you say that because when you say that, I really hear um the challenge of staying relevant with evolving technology. For sure. And it's interesting you say that. I can't remember the name of the website platform, but there's a p- website platform out there that uses AI, artificial mm-hmm. intelligence to create mm-hmm. and design your website and adapt and adjust your website in real time. Right. Right. And and that that's sort good. of thing, right? You know, having an yeah. AI person, not person, that's not even the right word, but having mm-hmm. AI create and redesign your website in real time over and over and over again, you know, what are the pros and cons of that? How do you explain to your customer why mm-hmm. that is dangerous? You know, what you could offer that that can't right. and the benefits of that. So I, I hear you there, you know, staying relevant with evolving technology. Definitely.
1: For sure, and and I read a a really good article, and I can't remember the guy's name. I don't make sure if I ever shared that quote him, but um, um, one thing that was said, I think, it was at a conference. You know, with technology advancing, it is kind of scary to you know to see that there are kind of these AI and robots that are "quote unquote" doing our jobs. I guess you can say, but I think this ultimately gives us an avenue, or you know, more of an uh, ability to become more and more human in the way that we. Uh, communicate through our creative ways. So I think, you know, mm-hmm. the things becoming so robotic, you, it's easy to tell. Like, when things are temporary, like, there's a, it's hard to kind of explain, but there are things that you can tell that, okay, this is a bot, that's doing. it. And then, you know, to the naked eye, they won't know the difference. But I think over time, and like, into your question, like, with the next 50 years, I think we're going to have more and more of a chance to become more human in the way that we communicate. And I think it's going to create, like, a, a sense of relatability that Maybe a machine can't, you know, replicate. Mm-hmm. And who and who knows, you know, but I think time will really tell. But I, I really believe that's gonna give us more leverage than we think, honestly. Nice. For
0: sure. I like that. Well answered, Hank. For such Thank a you. for such an intimidating question, you really tackled it. Hey, I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> so Hank, what is the question that you would like to ask my next guest? Man.
1: Now I'm trying to rethink mine because that was one is so good. <laughs> Um I would say to the next guest what is the most uncomfortable design decision you have ever made and what was the result of it
0: Oh I really like that Yes what is the most uncomfortable design decision you've ever had to make and what was the outcome Yes
1: I like it. I'm going to make sure I tune in. I want to make sure they stumble on that. Like I stumbled on this person. (laughs) So sorry to the next (laughs) days.
0: Awesome. Hank, you've reached the end of the podcast, man. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, everybody. Thank you so much for your time and listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for Hank for coming on the show. It was great connecting with you and hearing your stories. Looking forward to seeing your work moving forward here. Guys, if you haven't had a chance to head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the podcast, head over and do that now. I would really appreciate it. I read them all. They make me feel good. You know, maybe I should start reading some more of those on the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tackle some of that. Um, Thanks again, guys. I'm back tomorrow. So see you then. Bye.